Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to Giant Cocktails. Thank you for that wonderful intro, Bob. Today is Sunday, August 1st, as we record this podcast. And yes, I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside the aforementioned Matthew Henry. Matthew, don't make a fool of yourself. You know how hard that is not to do? <laughs> it's it's It must be really hard. So hard. Like... You know, you know, you dragged me into this podcast thing, and and then it's you know, I, I make a fool of myself every week. You know, every time I talk, something comes out of my mouth. So, I think that's actually the value of our show is us making fools of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, there's that. I'll, I'll give you that. So we're really good at our job, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, you know, frankly, I think so. All right. I think so. Well, you know, and the alcohol you know? doesn't hurt, so. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. All right. Yes. Thank you uh, for that wonderful intro, Matthew. Uh, as I said, today is Sunday, August 1st, as we record this podcast. And the Giants went an amazing four and two this week against the two, well, the second and third best teams in baseball. Because we all know that the best team in baseball is the San Francisco Giants, whose record today stands, I believe, at 66-39. and 39. Is that right? For a 629 winning percentage? Three games ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers for first place in the National League West? And how many games in front of, um, who's the second best team? Is it Tampa now? Oh, Tampa and Houston are now tied for second place uh, in all of baseball to the San Francisco Giants, which means what? The Dodgers are like in a spi- a death spiral? What are they now? They're like, what? They're the worst team in baseball, right? Who? Isn't that what everybody's saying? The Dodgers. Oh. Aren't they the worst team in baseball now? Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Bob but. would agree. Dodgers suck. Yeah, they do, Bob. Yeah, they do. That's right. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure, like, after what happened this week, right, the Giants going 4-2 and two against the two best teams in baseball had to be the talk of the week, right? Nothing else could have happened that would make people say that the Dodgers are once again the greatest team in baseball, right, Matthew? Well, there was trade deadline stuff. Oh right, the trade deadline. That's right. The Dodge, the Giants going four and two was not the news of the week. That's right. There was the trade deadline, which we're definitely going to talk about because the Giants absolutely played a role in that. Perhaps even deeper than we saw, and uh, and I think all in all things went extremely well for the San Francisco Giants. But before we get to that, Bob, please ask Matthew the question. What are you drinking? Well, Bob, today I am drinking in homage to the newest giant, Chris Bryant. I am drinking a celebratory cocktail called the Chicago. I think you should rename it Goodbye Chicago. Goodbye Chicago. Yes. Or maybe we could even rename it, you know, Hello San Francisco. I don't care. But. You know, I wanted to find a cocktail that would honor the roots of our newest giant. And so I found this cocktail. It is actually an old classic cocktail, been around for uh, over 100 years, something like that. It's been around for a long time. And it uh, it's interesting in that it's not the typical cocktail that I would normally uh, drink. I think it's clear if you've been listening to our podcast that I prefer cocktails that have you know a sweetness to them. There's no fruity pebbles in this one? There's no fruity pebbles in this one. No. And there's no lemon curd. There's, you know, there, there's there's not even like, you know, simple syrup. So this is a, a, a cocktail for the sophisticated palate, uh, which 
probably not me, to be honest. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I went all in because of our man, Chris Bryant. And so the Chicago, I will I will spell it out for you, has it's a brandy centered cocktail, has two ounces of brandy. I decided to go with cognac, which is, you know, is a brandy, but from, you know, the specific region, cognac region of France. And it has a quarter ounce of triple sec, which I use Cointreau, of course. Uh, a dash of aromatic bitters. I chose Angostura. And then, and I think you will appreciate this, Ben. It is topped off with an ounce of champagne. Wait, what now? Champagne. I haven't had this cocktail yet? No, I am I was amazed. I was like, well, it seems like Ben should have done this one Honestly, already, I've, but... I've never heard of it. This is amazing. Yeah. All right. So... So, uh, and then uh, what was interesting too, as I was looking through this, is that you can serve it up in a coupe or you can actually serve it on the rocks. It doesn't matter. I chose to put it in a coupe glass with a sugar uh, rim, a sugared rim, and I garnished it with a lemon uh, a lemon wheel. And uh, I will say it is a, you know, it's brandy front and with a little bit of the sparkle from, and dryness from the champagne. Uh, I do appreciate having the rim sugared because it does add a little sweetness when I take a sip. Uh it's it's nice, uh, but again, not something that I would be, you know, my personal preference. Uh, but if you like kind of a non-sweet kind of brandy-centered, uh, you know, cocktail, this this is this would do for you really well. So, cheers to Chris Bryant. Cheers to the city of Chicago. I know you're all feeling down uh, this week after the trade deadline when your entire starting lineup got traded away, uh, but decided to uh, start us off with the Chicago. So. That is what I am drinking. So with that said, uh, I think Bob has a question for you. What are you drinking? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. I am drinking uh, something that uh, fate uh, forced me to drink last week uh, because I Buster hit a home run in our previous lead up to last week's show. I keep forgetting that you had to roll the dice. And as a result of that... I had to roll the dice from the mixology dice, and I after after a little bit of fudging with the dice, I ended up getting a um, a, a recipe for a flip. We decided that I was going to drink a flip, and for those of you who don't know, a flip is a a very traditional old cocktail that is made in, with an entire raw egg. You take the raw egg, um, a sweetener, and a and and a, and a spirit, uh, and combine those. Shake them, do a dry shake, which is again a shake without ice to emulsify the egg, and then you add ice, uh, and you strain it and into a coupe, and you serve it up, and it creates uh, a very creamy, frothy cocktail. And honestly, I was kind of a baby about this last week. But I got to tell you, I was complaining about a bunch of nothing because these cocktails, Matthew, are absolutely wonderful. And I think I think actually you say you, you don't have a very sophisticated palate, which is definitely true. I don't think there's anything about you that's sophisticated. Um, oh, fair enough. All right. But but me, too. Right. You know, so I, I'm a I'm a big fan of sweet cocktails, I think, as I've mentioned numerous times on this show. But I think this kind of cocktail is a step in that direction away from just the super sweet cocktail. It, it's kind of like a, a bridge, I think, to, to something like the Chicago. It, it definitely expands your horizons. I think the whole egg aspect, certainly the fact that it's a raw egg, definitely turns people off to to these kinds of cocktails today. You do not see these cocktails being served anywhere. And again, I believe you can get whole pasteurized eggs or or substitutes that you could use in these cocktails. Uh, I, I'm not saying whether I did or didn't do that. And if I didn't do that, then you shouldn't do that at home. I definitely didn't do that. Um, but... But yeah, I got to tell you, Matthew, this was an absolutely wonderful cocktail. And it turns out the recipe that I got was basically just your traditional whiskey flip as I was doing a little <laughs> bit of research because, well, there was one slight difference. So so I had whiskey as my spirit. I had honey as my sweetener. And I optionally also had a sweet vermouth as my sweetener. And as you and I both know, there's no way I was ever going to choose sweet vermouth against honey. Well, sweet vermouth isn't sweet. Correct. It's not really. It's oh. it's really it's really quite quite bitter and um, 
and in my in my estimation, uh, not really enjoyable, you know. So, but in fact, that would have been a a Manhattan flip, I guess. Whiskey and sweet vermouth makes a Manhattan, so so that would have been a Manhattan flip. In this particular case, I opted for the honey, which was just really replacing simple syrup. But overall, I think the honey, the whole egg, and then what I did for the nutmeg is I took a whole nutmeg and I just grated it on the top. Mm. Yes. And that is actually what the original recipe that I found called for to do for a whiskey flip. Um, and so, so yeah, I guess that's what I had, just a traditional whiskey flip, but made with sweetened with honey. And the overall outcome was a very, like, Thanksgiving-y kind of cold cocktail. Uh, it was very soothing. Like, it was a very comfort cocktail. I could definitely drink a, a number of these during... Uh, the winter holidays, I could see sitting around with a bunch of family and just totally, you know, um, uh, slowly getting blitzed in the corner uh, while I don't, you know, so I don't have to listen to my, you know, Uncle Bob. Um, oh, no. Did I just let the... <laughs> shh. Sorry. Shh. Uh, uh, let my Uncle Rob... Um, uh, you know, says uh, says horrible things at dinner. So anyway, uh, I really, really quite enjoyed this. And I would definitely have this again. Uh, so there you go. It was the simple whiskey flip with uh, with honey. I, I have a question for you. So when you do the uh, the honey, did you did you make it into a syrup first or did you just go straight honey? Because I can imagine that could be kind of clumpy and mm. viscous. Good Good question, because the actually the recipe that I have is, you know, the, the booklet that comes with the dice is, is not really that big. And I was a little confused by that, too, because it just gave me a two to one ratio. And it said mm. two parts whiskey, one part sweetener. And then the sweetener in this case just happened to be honey. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of honey. That's a lot of honey. And uh, and certainly an ounce of honey. Um, yeah. That that's too much. It, it would have been too much honey for sure. So I I went with half an ounce, and then I did add a little bit of water to that and stirred it up to kind of create a honey syrup. Um, that was more just to get it out of the measuring uh, thing than anything else, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think I think that's the same problem going in. It would have been all clumping around the ice, and you wouldn't have maybe. Oh well. It. So okay. So so what I did was I um I I first first thing I did is I made the prepared the honey with with the, the the water and I use that in effectively what is my jigger. It's not a jigger, but it's a it's like a little measuring thing that I use. Yeah. And uh, so I, I and I, I then basically turn that into a honey syrup, poured that into my mixing glass first. Then I actually rinse out that container with the whiskey. Right. Mm -hmm. So I actually do a little bit of a slightly heavier than a two two ounce pour for that. And then I just completely rinse out the measuring cup from that. Then I took my whole egg and I put that in the other. I used a Boston shaker, so then I put that in the into the into the the, the metal shaker portion. I put an egg in there, and then I actually beat the egg a little bit, and then I kind of uh, put a little bit of the whiskey in there to sort of. It, it, it's the same. It's the same principle when you're mixing egg with a hot liquid when you're cooking, mm -hmm. and you don't want the egg to curdle. You 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 kind of temper the egg, right? So I actually tempered it with the alcohol, and then I shake all that together dry. So there's no ice in at that point. Okay. So, so that's, that's how I did all of that. Then I put the ice in and then shake it again. Right. Okay. But, I forgot about that dry shake. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. it makes sense. All right. Well, that sounds like a lovely cocktail. Oh, you know, uh, Bob probably agrees. Bob, what do you think of, of that cocktail? Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. It was, Bob. It was. And on that note, Matthew, as we mentioned... The Giants went four and two at the beginning uh, for the week against the Astros and the Dodgers. But clearly that was not the biggest story of the week. It was a great week. And usually that's what we do. Usually you and I break down the two series that the Giants played during that week. And we talk about, you know, the ins and outs and what it meant and what we saw and how much we hated Whatever, it. Whatever, we got Chris Bryant! <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We got Chris Bryant, but not before everybody else got somebody and the Giants didn't do anything. I remember you sending me a text, I think with less than 60 minutes to go in the trade deadline, and it read, in Farhan I trust, in Farhan I trust. But in my mind, there was a question mark at the end of each one of those sentences. <laughs> in Farhan I trust? 
Right? I had to make myself feel better because I'm, I was refreshing Twitter. Like, I think I broke my Twitter button because it was, I was refreshing it so much that like, and nothing was coming up and all I was seeing was panic in giant land. And, and, and I'm like trying to stay calm because I, I know that Farhan's not just sitting, you know, taking a nap somewhere that he's got a plan and and you know, meanwhile though, we're seeing Scherzer and Turner going to the Dodgers, and we're you know we're getting all all the guys that we wanted you know going to different places, and and I just you know I I I was trying to send positive vibes out there, and and <laughs> and, and it, you know it worked. So you're welcome because you know Farhand came through. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you can thank Matthew for the Giants getting Chris Bryant. At the at the very last minute, uh, because mm-hmm. of all his vibes out there, it was it was all Matthew. So well, thanks. I got some strong vibes, man. Yeah. I got some strong vibes. <laughs> what can I say? Well, I mean, it was a pretty crazy uh, turn of events. I I mean, I I unfortunately was actually bogged down at my job and was not able to pay super close attention. I mean, I was kind of keeping an eye on it, but I wasn't able to converse with you at all. And I remember a little bit later, you sent when I finally surfaced, you were like, "Where were you?" And I was like, well, you know, I was here. I was watching. I know what happened. And uh, and then I think so there were just so many interesting things that happened during the trade deadline across all of baseball. But I think most of the intrigue really was around the National League West. Um, Some things that I don't think we need to talk really in depth about at the low end. Right. There's a lot of people talking about what the Rockies didn't do, proving just that they are still uh, a lost organization, you know. They fire their GM, and now they're just rudderless, floating through baseball space, yeah. I think. You know? I mean, Trevor Story has made it clear that he does not want to be a Colorado Rocky ever again and will not sign with them. And so I guess what they're saying now is the reason they didn't trade him was because they weren't getting any offer that was going to be better than the compensatory pick that they would get for a team that signs him, which I'm not entirely sure, but I think that means the Rockies have to make him a qualifying offer, which he then has to decline, and then another team has to sign him, and then that means that team gets loses a pick, and the, and the Rockies will then get a pick between the first and second rounds. I think that's how that all works out. I think so. But who cares? It's the Rockies, you know, like yeah. th- that's Well, a- just I mean, here they are not taking care of like their icon player, right? And just or their fans know, or themselves right? or anything or anyone, you know, I would much rather be a Diamondback fan than a Rocky fan right now. I I I just I just don't understand what the Colorado Rockies are doing. It, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. But, well, hey, good for the Giants because they're in our division. So. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. At least we know we can beating, be beating up on one of the worst teams in baseball for many years to come. Um, yes. So, so yeah. So the National League was intriguing from top to bottom. That was the bottom. Uh, but I think a lot of what got Giants fans super, super angsty was what was happening with Max Scherzer. I think there was a lot of Giants fans out there who really wanted Max Scherzer. And, you know, I think if the Giants had ended up with Max Scherzer, I certainly would have been happy with that acquisition. I, I wouldn't yeah. have hated that addition. I, I think it would have made the how Giants could you not, better. Right, right absolutely. Um, but all we heard about was how he was going to the Padres, the Padres, the Padres, which is bad news. And then suddenly, bad news turned to worse news. Dodgers swoop in, just like you knew they would. You know, and they're throwing out their, like, might and just saying, hey, you know they they gave up they gave up their top two prospects though they so, gave up their top two prospects their number one and number two prospects uh Josiah Gray and I can't remember Ruiz's first name but what is also interesting about them is they are both major league ready these guys have ETAs of this year right I think uh Josiah yeah. Gray has already made his debut I think he even pitched against the Giants if I'm not mistaken oh right That's so like a, yeah. So these guys are absolutely the top of the Dodgers farm 
and they gave up those guys and then a couple of other guys that are like one unranked guy and then one guy that was, you know, highly, you know, kind of much, much lower ranked than those two guys. But the fact of the matter is they gave up their number one and their number two to get a rental in Max Scherzer. And what I guess uh, they get they get in Trey Turner, which I think was the real surprise in that trade. They get Trey he's Turner. Got one more year. He's got one more year, but he's uh, of arbitration. Right. So say so they will they he will they will have to negotiate with him or pay him whatever um, whatever the market whatever he gets out of arbitration um, for next year. And he becomes a free agent the year after that. So a rental and a very expensive acquisition for a position that I'm not really sure they they had a super huge need for long term. But right. Which is which is really really interesting to me. I you know I I think I I just um, well I don't know I didn't you well, know the way that whole thing shook out I I really was not disappointed in seeing what a price the Dodgers had to pay to get those two guys. Right. I think the silver lining on this is that while it hurts to see such good players go to the Dodgers right now, uh, I think it does diminish their capability of keeping this thing going for the long run. Um, right. They've done such a good job of building up their farm system. I mean, they were the model, right? Absolutely. Of farm systems. And they've given up so much in the last few years. Uh, I think they have one player now in the top 100 in their prospects, uh, you know, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got they've got some problems, I think, with depth going forward. And, I, you know, obviously, they're, and they're going to have to sign some of their guys to big contracts and they're already, you know, the, the, they have the biggest payroll in the majors. And, uh, you know, so I think at some point the house of cards is going to come crashing down on the Dodgers and maybe this helped. I think this definitely, I think this accelerated it for sure because yes, you're absolutely right. This was their top two picks, but they were ranked, I think, according to major league baseball's rankings and every ranking is different. But these two were ranked the 40th and 41st best prospects in all of baseball, which is way behind the top two or three prospects of the Giants, right? Uh, Luciano is is number 11 and Bart is number 16. The Padres have three guys in the top 15, right? So it's not like the Giants and Padres didn't have the pieces to make this trade, but they were both like, no, it's not worth it because they see themselves as organizations on the rise. To me, this says that the Dodgers feel like this is their time right now and the window is closing. Yeah, I think that's a good point, right? I think, yeah, they, they think that this is, it's a win now mode because, uh, yeah, they're uh, they're going to be losing some guys in free agency next year and they won't be able to keep everyone. And yeah, this is uh, and And their farm system's running out and they just gave away a lot more of it. Other two most ready guys. This was an absolute win to me. Like, I know a lot of people are really upset that the Dodgers got Scherzer and Trey Turner. And I know a lot of the media out there is talking about how this is a juggernaut just making themselves stronger and like the superpower just got more powerful. I don't I don't see it that way at all. Like what I see is an organization desperately trying to right the ship on a season that is not going the way they expected, not because they're playing poorly, but because the Giants are playing so well, right? And they went out and and they've also had some serious injury problems and holes that they're trying to fill. I mean, you know, everybody's like, oh, no, they got Scherzer and they got Trey Turner. I'm like, yeah, what they got was a replacement for Trevor Bauer and a replacement for Gavin Lux. Yeah. Because those guys are not playing right now and probably won't play for the rest of the season, at least not in any meaningful way. And all the Dodgers have done is replace two parts that they lost. So if the Dodgers are the best team in baseball on paper, well, they were the best team in on, in baseball on paper at the beginning of the season. And look how that's turned out. So this version of the Dodgers does not frighten me any more than the version of the Dodgers at the beginning of the season, which was pretty terrifying. But what I didn't know then was how good my team was. And... And I, I don't I don't think that the Giants uh, this hurts the Giants at all. In fact, I think overall what happened to the Dodgers was a long term win for the Giants. I, I really like the way that that played out. And I would like to think that the Dodgers, the Giants were at least part of that conversation, you know, because the Giants had better prospects to put on the line. And I think we all know that Bart is somebody who is who seems like he's somewhat tradable. Right. Because of yeah. because of Posey and Bailey. And and so I, I feel like and he's a much higher ranked prospect than anybody that the Dodgers had. 
And so I think being able to put him uh, into a package certainly helped push the Dodgers to providing a, a better package. Well, um, sure. And if you had if you had asked the Dodgers at the beginning of the season, did would they be giving up their top two prospects at the trade deadline in order to make a run at the division? Uh, I think if you'd ask anybody, I think everybody would be like, well, no way that's happening. And so the, the, the Giants definitely made that happen. Yeah. And both in the way they've been playing and where they are in the, in the standings and, and also, you know, probably in the negotiation process right. as well. This was a monumental victory of the 2021 Giants. This is and this is a tangible victory that you cannot take away from them. Yeah. This never would have happened if the Giants had played the way everybody expected them to. If the Giants and it makes it even if worse, the, if they don't resign Scherzer. Uh, for you know, then it makes it even even worse. Well, I mean, they could have signed Scherzer at the end of the season anyway, right? right. I, I mean, what yep. the twenty twenty two Dodgers do, they still could have done, right? Yep. The the you know Trey Turner is the only thing that's the surprise here, but you know it it, it it's um. It, you know, I mean, what the 2022 Dodgers do is what the 2022 Dodgers do. I mean, the other thing about this is, is like the Dodgers are the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a rich and wealthy team uh, with at right now a good leadership. And so they're always going to be good. We cannot measure ourselves um, against what they do on the front office. We can only measure what we do in the front office and what we do on the field. Right. And so far we've been matching them. So that's. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's... Absolutely. And, and you know, speaking of that, so it was, it was you know, yes, Farhan made Giants fans sweat up until the final hour, but I think that was by design, right? I think, you know, let's, let's let the market play out. Let's let, uh, let's, let's see where things are. And, you know, he gave up, you know, Canario and um, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy um, who he gave up, but, you know, Canario was on the 40 man roster. Uh, we need room on the 40 man. And so it made sense that he was the guy, I think every, all, even, you know, pretty much every, every pundit that you read out there had tagged Canario as the guy that was going to uh, be, be moved. And so, you know, so they moved somebody that, they, that they didn't have a need for, that wasn't going to be ready in the next two or three years. So they didn't really have space for him on the 40 man anyway. Uh, so they got something of value for him. And so, I think that that's, uh, you know, Farhan didn't mortgage the farm. You know, he's, we've kept our top prospects and, and we got, you know, Chris fricking Bryant and, you know, rookie of the year, Chris Bryant, MVP, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant's the guy that, you know, that we lost to in the 2016 uh, playoffs, you know, on their way to their first world championship in 108 years. So Chris Bryant is uh, someone that makes us better. And, you know, I think that it was a good move. Not only, you know, he fits the giant bill, right? You know, he's he's a he plays a variety of positions. He he looks at a lot of pitches in every at bat. He you know has a great great on base percentage. Hits for power. I mean, he ticks off a lot of boxes for the Giants, and and so that trade makes the Giants better. At least that's what I think. And and I think that you know he. I've been looking at the lineup. After you know now, if we when we get Longoria and Belt back, uh, the lineup is going to be deep, deep, Ben, deep. Well, okay. So first of all, Matthew, as you and I both know, um, the lineup is never going to be deep because it's never going to be a hundred percent healthy. I oh, don't. Whatever. I don't know how many times I have to keep telling you that. It has been true all season. And I don't see why. Are you drunk? No, Bob. I'm I'm sober. <laughs> I, I I might be the only sober person in all of Giants Nation. The 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 point is is that you you're never going to have that super 100 percent healthy roster where everybody is also performing well. I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it just seems like. At this point, it's a fantasy because it hasn't happened at any point all season. And I don't know why anybody would think that it's magically going to all come together in the last, you know, in, in September and, and October. So, you know, I, I so that's my first response to that is like, yes, that lineup really sounds very, very good. You add Belt, you add Longoria. Hey, you put in La Stella and now you got to figure out who to take out. 
right? That means you got guys like, you know, Ruff Solano. And, and Solano and Wade Jr. either on the bench or not on the roster at all. But I will say this. It's because of the injuries why I like the Chris Bryant trade. There's two things that I like about the Chris Bryant trade a lot, which is the depth that he now provides of a high-quality bat that you can put in the lineup, and he can play either third base or the outfield. Uh, He could probably play first base in an extreme pinch, although the Giants are very first baseman rich right now. And... And so he gives you a lot of versatility. He gives you a lot of depth. The other thing that I like about that trade is, yeah, they didn't give up a lot. They didn't give up more than you were expecting them to already give up as part of this uh, trade season anyway. And so for the price that they paid and for what they're getting in terms of his versatility, I absolutely like this trade. I also think I didn't need this, but I think Giants fans as a whole really needed the Giants to do something big. And this was big, right? Getting a former NL MVP on your roster to make a playoff push makes a huge statement to the fans that we are in this to win it and we want it as bad as you do. And so I love that aspect of the trade as well. That being said, I think I said last week that I wasn't super excited about getting Chris Bryant. I wasn't super excited about getting Chris Bryant for the price that a lot of the journalists were suggesting. They were suggesting guys much, much higher ranked than than what the Giants ended up giving. So I'm glad the, the market, that trade ended up working out that way. Um, but the other thing I'll say is this. like I like Chris Bryant because he's good at third base until Longoria comes back. But then what happens when Longoria comes back? Where does he go? Left field. He goes to left field, right? Which means, okay, he plays out in, out in left field, and then you've got Darren Ruff and Wade Jr. platooning at first base while Chris Bryant is out in left field. What happens when Brandon Belt comes back? Well, then you got Wade Jr. and Ruff, Ruff on the bench. On the bench, right? Okay. Yes. Go look at the season splits for Wade Jr. against right-handers and Chris Bryant for against right-handers, and tell me which one of those guys is better. Yeah, I know you're saying that Wade Jr. is better against right-handers. You are smoking crack if you think that that they're going to platoon Bryant. That's right. No, they're not. They're not going to platoon Bryant. I know they're not. So you, so that's why you're suggesting that the Giants are going to be worse off. Because I know you and I have had this conversation. <laughs> I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just letting the logic present itself to everybody. The numbers are what the numbers are. And Wade Jr. has demonstrated. Now, is Wade Jr. a flash in the pan and he's not going to continue to do it? Then great. You know, but Chris Bryant is a very average batter against right handers. He is off the charts against left-handers. And yes, I know he hit a home run today off of a right-hander. It's not that I'm saying he can't hit them. He's 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 an average MLB player against against uh, against right-handers. But against left-handers, he's an absolute killer in many of the ways that Wade Jr. has been an absolute killer against righties in the you know short period of time that we've seen him. Now, I will grant you, it's been a short period of time. Wade Jr. could absolutely be a flash in the pan. And there is something to be said about letting guys go out there and play every day and having that consistency and allowing them to perform. But when I, you know, and I think if we were talking about Chris Bryant and comparing him against, say, Wilmer Flores, I would say I prefer Bryant's defense. But when we're talking about left field, I don't know that I would prefer Chris Bryant to Wade Jr., so I don't know that you have that defensive benefit. And I think, you know, and if we're going to go back to that argument of like letting guys play every day, well, that just flies in the face of the philosophy of the 2021 Giants, where you and I have both yelled at on this show, the platoon is working. And now we're saying we don't want a platoon because we got this great guy, which is fine. I mean, you know, if, if that's what the fans want to see, then that's what the fans want to see. But I'm just saying, like, I, I, I do think that that in many ways it does present an interesting conundrum uh, in that magical scenario where Belt and Longoria and Listella and everybody are all healthy. Of course, you know, Wade Jr. got taken out of the game for a stiff back today, right? So I, I think I think my ultimately what I think is is that it's not gonna matter. And I think this is a good trade for the Giants because of the injuries. 
because somebody's always going to be hurt and we're going to be glad that we had a very, very talented um, all-star and former MVP added to the roster to help fill the holes uh, of the injuries. So, you know, am I as excited as everybody else? No, no, I'm not. All right. But I'm but I'm I'm happy about it. Well, I. I guess it's a good problem to have if you've got too many good players to figure out where to play them. Uh, and it's better than, you know, wondering why Connor Joe is your starting left fielder. You know, so so we've come a long way. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago where we were we were trying to figure out how many major league outfielders we could even scrape together. And, you know, now we've got a surplus. And, you know, which, which was, you know, in that respect, I was a little surprised that no one from the 26-man roster was included in a trade uh, this weekend because I kind of figured that they would use that to free up some spots, knowing that Longoria and La Stella and, La- and Maranta you know, are coming off of the 60-day and they're going to have to open up 40-man roster spots. But, you know, I guess, you know, I'm sure they have a plan. It'll be interesting to see what, uh, what you know, what that plan, I know we've talked about this, you know, but I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, who the odd men out are going to be, not only on the 40 man, but who gets optioned from the, from the, the 26, because I think you're going to see some players that we're used to seeing getting optioned off and you're going to see this uproar from fans. And yet, you know, what are they supposed to do? There's only 26 spots. There's only 13, uh, you know, position players, you know, available. Uh, there's only three bench spots available and plus a backup catcher. So you've got, we're, we're, we're running them to a crunch here and, and maybe you're right. Maybe somebody will trip or, you know, drop a weight on their foot in the, in the, in the weight room, uh, you know, like Alvarez did earlier in the year, or maybe, you know, somebody will, you know, trip going down the steps into the dugout and be out for 60 days. You know, I don't know, but uh, maybe they'll work some injury magic there, but there's there's definitely going to be some some interesting moves coming up. Yeah, I mean that is an interesting question. Uh, I I do think that one of the things that actually happened to the San Diego Padres is they made that move for Frazier earlier, you know, like a week uh, or a week and a half ago, maybe ten days ago, and it created this really interesting infield crunch that that a lot of people thought they were going to resolve by moving Hosmer. Right. They thought everybody thought they were going to trade Hosmer and and it ended up that the Padres ended up doing nothing else. Right. They lost out on the Scherzer Bonanza. And then it also turns out they weren't able to move Hosmer. And I think the part of part of that is because the market just wasn't there for those guys. So I, I think that if they weren't there for Hosmer, they probably weren't there for guys like Dickerson or or maybe even guys like Ruff. I, I don't know who may have been uh, uh, dangled out there, but my guess is just the market wasn't there. Hmm. Well, so. they're lost. Agreed. Agreed. Well, um, and maybe it wasn't there because they're like, well, we know you're going to have to DFA somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, right. coming up. So um, right. who knows? But uh, well, and that's uh, all well and good, Matthew. But you know what doesn't win baseball games? What doesn't win baseball? Games? What doesn't win baseball games is people talking about the trade deadline. <laughs> you know, it does win baseball games. Former what? NL MVPs throwing a baseball to the Henry brothers. <laughs> That's right. Instead of throwing it to 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 Mr. Uh, Mr. Turner over there at third base. That's right. You and I were at the game on Tuesday against the Dodgers, the opening game of the three-game series. Uh, it was a great game. I thought Webb in that game was going to make you roll the dice. He pitched very well, and uh, but didn't uh, didn't get deep enough uh, to to get a win in that game. Uh, and, and also, you know, frankly, we didn't score enough runs, uh, to help out Mr. Webb. It was a pitching duel with Urias and, and Webb, but the key moment of that game, if you recall, was Bellinger taking a throw from the, from second base to, to get the, the runner out at first and then deciding to throw it to us who were sitting in the second deck, uh, front row club right. level uh, at Oracle, right? We had great seats. That's right. We did have great seats. We, we chose those seats because that was as close as I could get us to home plate. And and I opted to be closer to home plate rather than being you know closer to the field level. 
and it turned out to be a, a great. Uh, it, it, it turned out to be very serendipitous because as soon as Bellinger threw that ball, I knew that it was an errant throw because it really did look like it was coming right to us. Yeah. That ball really was at that angle, and it was literally on a line towards our seats. I mean, I, I think it obviously didn't have enough power, but at first, when it first came out of his hand, uh, I was like, "Oh, he threw that away!" And just it was it was an instant reaction. But um, the, the only thing that kept it from coming out is that was that netting was the netting, you know, right. uh, and because it hit the net. But it was but as soon as it left his hand, it was so far. It looked literally like it was coming right at us. I I, I thought we were gonna catch a ball there. You know, that's. <laughs> And, and and then just uh, it's been a long time since I've been that excited at a at a baseball game, and I know like the announcers and people afterwards were talking about how it felt like a playoff atmosphere. That play certainly made it feel. Oh, like it was electric! It was electric. I mean, people were going nuts. You and I were dancing, high fiving. It was it was a great moment. It was a great atmosphere, and um, it was so good to be back. I mean, it was so good to be back at a baseball game. Period. But. But to be a, at a Giants-Dodgers game when they are fighting for first place late in the season uh, is even better. And to have a great game, you know, I, I think there were two good games in that series. There was a laugher that the Dodgers won in game two, but um, but it was just so good to be there and 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 so much fun. I, I did miss not being able to see balls and strikes. You know, that, that that is something that I have become heavily reliant on this year and, and certainly analyzing how the pitchers are performing. Um, but other than that, you know, definitely it's definitely better to be there for sure. You know what? You know what? The only other reason why it's not OK to be there is that the cocktails suck <laughs> at Oracle Park. OK, I had a whiskey sour and the, the, the sour mix that he poured in there just... You know, I was like, come on, we couldn't squeeze a little fresh lime in there. Yeah. You know, it was uh, uh, so just telling you all make your own cocktails before go to a bar before Oracle. If you're going to, you know, just ordering a cocktail at Oracle, um, it, it was definitely not as good as you're going to get at home or at one of the local. Yeah, bars. we definitely had to have the cocktails, right? Because, yes, yeah, we had we, to. We had to. We had to. And I, yeah, I mean, I would say stick to the beer or, you know, or yeah. Just... I hit up Frankie's, which is you know right down the the way mm -hmm. on the, on the you know, <laughs> yeah. beforehand. Had a couple of cocktails at Frankie's, awesome, uh, which was great. You know the the bartenders there were really great and uh, some really nice cocktails. So you know hit it up beforehand before you. And if you get there really early, like I got, the, they said it like at a night game, four thirty is when it really starts to pick up. I was there around three, so it was uh, it was very. Uh, I had the bar almost to myself. It was great. Wow. Uh, yeah, but but nonetheless, a, a great a great experience overall. Even if the cocktails weren't up to par, I uh, I really enjoyed myself. And and you know we won that whole series, right? Cueto looked like you know an absolute beast in in game three, and he hit, hit ninety six on the gun. Ninety six. Like I that I mean I can't remember the last time Quato's hit ninety six certainly pre surgery you know Quato maybe yeah. but uh, it's been a while yeah it's been and a while. it's it was great he was you know shimmying and throwing you know hard and uh and you know we we Quato is the you know people people get on Quato like I've seen it on social media people are like oh I, anytime he gives up a hit or a home run or whatever but he he's a legit starter especially when the stakes are high. He's, you know, he wants to be out there and he performs and he's, 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 I don't think he was even an argument. I think he is the best fifth starter in, in the league right now. And you know, he gives the Giants a legit chance to win every time we get out there. And when he pitches like that, you know, it's, 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 uh, he gives him a better than, than average chance. I mean, it is, it was pretty amazing. So Cueto, Cueto looked like an ace. So you know, who's not pitching like an ace though is, is Gosman, right? I mean, he's. This was this, the game that, uh, you know, the second game of the Dodgers series that we lost. Uh, well, first of all, he didn't look like the Gosman we've been used to seeing uh, for now. It's, you know, that was his third start since the All-Star uh, break, since the All-Star break and and wasn't uh, particularly sharp. He wasn't, you know, his splitter was it didn't seem like he even trusted it. Uh, and then, you know, to compound things, our relievers didn't help either. Right. So it's just that game just was, you know, all of the pitchers you know, kind of laid an egg but yeah 
It was a butt uh, kicking. The Dodgers kicked their butts. The Dodgers yeah. kicked Gaussman's butt. And it was his third bad outing in a row since the All-Star break. We haven't seen him pitch like an ace since then. And that is definitely more concerning than uh, Cueto uh, being an average fifth starter or an above average fifth starter. For sure. We need Kevin Gossman to be an ace, especially since we didn't get Max Scherzer or anyone else like that. So it is a big, big concern, right? Right. Yes, it is. Um, and, and you know, but I, I mean, at the same token, you know, well, in that, in that game, I mean, everything went wrong. I mean, the Giants didn't hit the... Uh, um, sure. Sure. I mean, he was he was pretty rocky in his first start uh, back from the All-Star break, I think, um, where he he only gave up two runs, but looked way worse than that. And then the Giants did pick him up. Right. The the he only pitched three innings in that game and the bullpen came back and the Giants broke through for seven runs. And and so. So, yeah, I mean, the if, if your starting pitcher doesn't pitch well, it's still possible to win. It just makes it much, much harder to win. And. And, and your starting pitcher can win games all by himself for you. And that's what we're used to seeing from Gosman. And, and it's a little bit concerning that we haven't seen that, which is why I felt like his second start of the week was interesting because it seemed to me like it was going in the same direction. But and then it it it, it didn't. Um, it seemed like he righted the ship. It did seem like that. Yeah. It but, seemed like all of a sudden. I mean, all of a sudden, it seemed like he he was at least throwing with more confidence. I well, don't, I, don't know. I think he was going to the changeup, and he was using the changeup in counts where he would normally use the split finger as mm-hmm. a changeup, which I guess is not a pitch that he throws very often. And and so and that he was able to get over for strikes, because at least what they were saying on the on 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 TV was is that nobody was they were once they recognized the split finger, nobody was swinging at it because it never goes in the strike zone. And the way they were recognizing it was because it was off speed. Mm-hmm. And and so if he can get an off speed over for strikes, now it's not so easy to decode what he's doing. Right. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I, I think I hope that what we saw in the second innings and beyond for Gosman in his last start against the Astros is a sign that he's figured things out and that we should expect to see a return to form for him because we, we really, really need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole, this whole thing has been built on our consistent starting pitching. Right. This has uh, been built on the backs of, of Gaussman, Disclafani and Wood. Right. I mean, I think that mm -hmm. is what this season comes down to is those three guys. And we ha- we need all of them to continue to perform. Although, I mean, Logan Webb has really stepped up. And I think finally today, you know, was was a day where he finally put it all together. Right. Because yeah. at the beginning of the season, he wasn't quite performing as well as he was in spring training. And and then he got hurt and. And then he came back from the injury, but they weren't letting him throw a lot of pitches. And today it finally felt like he was he was free to be himself. He could throw all the pitches he needed to throw. And and he broke through and he got his first win in a long time. Meaning that yeah, which you, means you're you're rolling the dice. I again? have to roll the dice again this week because even though Buster didn't hit a home run, Logan Webb won a game. And uh, and I have to roll the dice and they have to do 25 combined wins and home runs. That's the rule, gentlemen. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I, I mean, I, looking at Gausman's numbers for that game, you know, he, four point four and a third innings. He gave up six hits, two walks. Clearly not the numbers we we're seeing, but he did strike out nine. You know, uh, so you know, hopefully and, and it seemed like he got better. and went on, but he gave up just he had too many pitches thrown in the first couple innings uh, that really hurt him. So, you know, yeah, I hope that he can figure this out because I mean, that splitter when it's on is one of the hardest pitches in baseball to hit. And, and we need him to find that pitch again. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, but we've got, I mean, Desclafani, Wood, and now Webb and even Cueto are all pitching well. Uh, so that's what's carried us. I mean, you know, which is nice when you don't need your ace and still go four and two against the number two and three teams in, in baseball. 
you know, um, you know, we keep doubting. We keep saying that the cards, the, the house of cards are about to fall, and yet they, they never seem to do. So who knows? Maybe yeah. we don't need Gaussman. Well, we, you know, and we, you know who's back on the, the Major League roster? Is Aaron, Aaron Sanchez. Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I mean, maybe we don't. You're right. And and the fact of the matter is, despite all those things, the Giants went 4-2 and two against the Dodgers and the Astros. Proving once again that they are the best team in Major League Baseball. And yes, I know all the pundits and all the talk radio people and all those people, you know, have what the Dodgers did at the trade deadline as another excuse to parade them out as the best team in baseball. But the oh, fact they that totally will. They're gonna, you know, the rankings are gonna be like, well, now that they got Scherzer and Turner, they're definitely the number one team, and it's only a matter of time. And yes, we all know that. See. Yes, yes. We all know that. We all know they're going to do that. So what we can do is we can call them out on it and then laugh at them when the Giants win the division at the end of the season. Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Because I think this far, this far into the season, we are, uh, you know, we are uh, starting August. We're, uh, you know, this is, we're about to, we're on the turn. We're about to start the stretch from home for home. There's not a lot of time left. And the Giants look pretty good. Right. Yes. Well, you know, I think what's helping us too. I mean, looking forward, we've got uh, thirteen. Uh, we have thir- our next thirteen games. Uh, there's four against, you know, six against the D-backs, and four against the Rockies, uh, and then three against you know the Brewers, who are the, you know lead the National League Central. So, uh, you know, there's there's a chance for us to kind of keep the. The, the pedal to the metal here and, and, you know, and, and put some pressure and you're right. Time's running out. So yeah. for, for, so we'll see. I mean, they've got a lot of games against some easy teams. They got to play the Mets. They got to play the Padres and they have three more against the Dodgers. Right. And yeah. then I think after that, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy schedule. And most of those games are going to be at home. Yeah. Well, this was supposed to be our tough part of the schedule. This was the one that everybody was all nervous. About. That's right. That's right. That these these games, the Dodgers, the two series against the Dodgers, and the series against the Astros, with the easy series of the Pirates sandwiched amongst them, and the only <laughs> series they lost to was the to the Pirates. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, baseball. <laughs> uh, indeed, ah, uh, baseball. Indeed. Well, Matthew, we're we're coming up on the the hour here. Yeah. Uh, and we got a lot of things left to talk about yes so i i i propose okay that we do a lightning round Ooh, a lightning round a like lightning it. round and which is going to be hard for you because i don't think you've you know ever no i can do anything it. in a I short can do it. amount of time I, I i i i know i know hey look this is an excuse for me to talk as much as i want and then i can listen to myself talk whenever i want on demand but <laughs> but if you're going to challenge me like this i can do it I can do it. All right. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Question number one. Assuming, and I know this is a big if for you, but assuming Longoria and Lestella are ready to play next week, who gets bumped off the 40-man roster when both have to join the roster? Your mom. Next question. (laughs) Uh, No, that is actually a really good question. Um, Oh, wow. That's a stumper. That's a stumper. Uh, I'm going to do a long pause and then you're going to edit it out. Okay, <laughs> okay. I've thought about it for a long time now. I spot, I thought about it for like a good hour. Matthew was getting really upset with me. Donovan Solano. Oh, so you're going straight to the 26-man roster. You're just like, you're going to dump someone there, huh? Well, I mean, the only other option is what? Like, like, like you need, okay, so Longoria and Listella come back. Who's going to play backup shortstop? Yeah, right. I mean, it's got to be Estrada. Estrada has to stay on the roster. Can I mean yes. can Solano play shortstop? Can Listella play uh, shortstop? I don't know. I know that Solano was like their emergency shortstop. I don't know if they're comfortable with him there. Well, somebody's got to somebody's got to spell Crawford, or if Crawford yes. gets hurt, or Crawford gets thrown out of a game, or whatever. Right. Or, you yes. know, somebody's okay. got to be able to play backup shortstop. The only backup shortstop they have right now is Estrada, so it has to be Solano. Okay, so you're saying Solano is not going to make the cut. Who else? Uh, and then I think you, uh, 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 God, uh, um, uh, outfielder, uh, Slater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he could be optioned, right? So op- you could sl- option Slater, um, 
but you think he would be one of the ones because I feel like okay, there's like Chadwick Trump, there's like Connor Menez, there's some guys on the forty man that we could we could certainly jettison, you know, DFA, and then add you know add Longoria and Listella to the forty man, but to get him up to the twenty six man, then yeah, okay, maybe Donovan Solano gets DFA'd. Um, so maybe maybe you're, you're saving Trump, you know, as your backup, your Tabir backup, and you're catching. But then yeah, someone like Slater, who we haven't seen a whole lot of lately, uh, has struggled. Uh, he does have an option left, so you know he gets optioned down, and you're bringing up uh, Listella and Longoria. Uh, but that leaves you. Well, I guess now that we have Bryant, you could you know you have another outfielder. So that makes sense to me. I could do with that. Okay, so that's 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 question number one. Question number two is, are you concerned about Kevin Gossman? No. All right, then. Well, that was really quick. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not concerned about Gossman because of what I saw yesterday. I, it really felt to me like he went back to his changeup and was using that to throw strikes and was using that, mixing that in well with his fastballs. And that made the split finger relevant again. I do think he is having some issues with the split finger, especially early in games, but he does seem to get it back. So that tells me that there is something fixable there. Right. He's not losing velocity. It doesn't seem like he's a head case. You know, he's able to throw strikes with his fastballs. He's just not able to finish guys with his his uh, his split finger. So I feel like with with more reliance on the changeup and then able to go to the split finger later in games, I, I think he might even become a better pitcher because he gets more faith in that second off speed pitch. If he works the, 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 the change up in early in games and then comes to, you know, then then reverts to the, the split finger later in games, it just adds another wrinkle to him. I, I think we're going to see a better Kevin Gossman. Oh, I like it. I like the answer to that. Next question. Did the Padres and Dodgers do enough to overtake the Giants in the National League West. Why am I doing all the speed rounds? Why aren't you doing some of the speed rounds? I don't know because I, you know, you you I'm just challenging you. But oh, you're uh, just challenging I'll, me? Okay. Okay. But I will I will answer you answer first though. I will answer. Okay. Uh, uh uh did the Padres and Dodgers do enough to beat the Giants? No. I think the Padres clearly wanted to do more and weren't able to because they got shut out by by the Dodgers and I think by aggressive maneuvering by the the Giants as well and just everybody else. I think the Padres were not uh, did not do enough certainly to catch the giant Giants. I, the Padres are not going to catch the Giants. I, I just don't see that happening with how far out they are. Uh, did the Dodgers do enough? The Dodgers did enough just to get back to where they were on paper at the beginning of the season, and that team wasn't good enough to beat the Giants, so of course they didn't. You got yeah, I'm in total agreement. I I think the Padres, uh, especially now, I mean, they, they lost Tatis Jr. again for another, he's on the IL this week Oof. for another 10 days. I worry about uh, that guy's long-term career. I really do. Me too. I mean, that shoulder thing, man. Yeah, I mean, he plays recklessly, weird. and it's, you know, it's certainly, well, I mean, the swing yeah. that one time wasn't necessarily, but this one was a slide into third base. Mm. Uh, definitely. He's got to change uh, the way he plays a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, which is hard for a guy like that, right? I mean, such a great player, uh, but. You know, definitely helps the Giants that he's not in there because when he's in there, he is, uh, you know, he's a world killer. Yeah, he's MVP, you know, quality right there, right? So, so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Padres uh, do enough. I did enough. uh, And you know, I mean, their big move at the beginning was Frazier, right? In an area that maybe they didn't even need it, but now, of course, you know, with with Tatis out, you know, it will probably help. But the Dodgers, certainly, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. I think, yeah, I mean, with Bauer, you know, basically Scherzer slots in for Bauer, uh, you know, and uh, Trey Turner, you know, is um, a luxury. And and I think, uh, yeah, it'll, yeah, I just don't think that they did enough to to really overcome, you know, or to, to, to make it so that, the yeah, they're the clear-cut favorites over the Giants. I think the Giants are done. Uh, Yes. So uh, next question. Uh, Does clubhouse mojo matter? Because Tony Watson was added as we didn't really mention him in the trade. He was the other trade acquisition. We brought him back. He'd been with the Giants for a few years. I like that uh, acquisition a lot, by the way. It's not the closer I wanted. It's not the closer I wanted, but I like him a lot. I like him a lot, too. Part of the reason they brought him back, though, is because they knew the person. And and Farhan Zaidi had been gone on record as saying that he was really reticent to bring in you know, make a major changes in the clubhouse because he really liked the makeup of the of the of the team and how the clubhouse was. So does the clubhouse mojo matter? Uh, yes and no. 
<laughs> I, uh, ask ask the 2002 San Francisco Giants if it matters. Refresh um, my memory. What was that? Uh, Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds were on that team. Oh, oh, that's right. The fights in the clubhouse. And well, I mean, uh, and you know, I mean, you had two pillars of the team who who ostensibly hated each other. well hated each other, <laughs> and nobody really wanted to hang out with. <laughs> You know, uh, right? Wasn't that the the whole thing? I mean, there have been plenty of records of teams that that literally hated each other. The Bronx Zoo, uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on of completely, totally dysfunctional teams in the clubhouse that played great on the field. I think for those teams, it does not matter. Um, I think I think what matters is keeping the dynamic that you have, keeping a functional dynamic. And so what the Giants have going right now is working. And this is a team that believes in each other. I think platoons are hard for people because they they're worried about losing their jobs. They're worried about uh, having, you know, well, that they're worried about losing their jobs. They're worried about not being able to prove themselves as players, not being able to show that they can stay in the league and and get contracts in the future. You have to trust your teammates to be able to be willing to step aside and let them play. And that team clearly has this team clearly has that. And you don't want to ruin that dynamic. So in this case, yes, it matters. Yes. And I would agree. I, you know, I have a master's degree in sports psychology. Uh, I totally believe, I mean, team building and team dynamics is, is an important part of success. Uh, earlier in the season, somebody asked Mauricio Dubon why this team was so good. And he says, because we don't have a lot of dicks. Right. I mean, that's that's what he said. And and I think that that speaks to this team. Right. I mean, they they all they all pull for each other. They know that they're going to get their opportunities. They know they're going to get to play, uh, even if they're not playing every day. And I think that matters. And I think Farhan Zaidi brought in guys like Bryant and Watson who would contribute to that dynamic and not take away from it. So speaking of Tony Watson, last question on the lightning round. uh, Why is Watson going to be the answer in our bullpen? Well, I don't know that he's going to be the answer, but I will tell you this. He provides a a great stabilizing left-handed pitcher in the bullpen, Um, somebody that you can go to who is reliable and really strong against left-handers, but also has a good record against right-handers. He's not dominant against right-handers, but he's okay against right-handers, more better than your average left-handed reliever, which in the day and age of the three-batter rule really makes a difference. You can bring Tony Watson in and not worry about the team making opposing moves to get uh, uh, right-handers up against him which they will still do, but they're not as going to have as easy of a chance as they would against other players. That's why. Plus, we've all seen what Tony Watson can do, and there have been times when he was very, very good for the Giants. Closer, closer good almost in some cases. So, so uh, you know, I, I think a really, really good pickup for the price that they paid. Absolutely. And I think that some of the, the price that they paid, uh, Sam Selman, they needed a spot on the 40 anyway, so he's going to go... Uh, I think, you know, a couple of the other guys, you know, one of them was, you know, I think they were worried about, you know, uh, being able to protect all of the players that they have on the, you know, for the um, Rule 5 draft. So this, uh, you know, getting rid of one of those guys, you know, opens up an opportunity for someone else for them to protect. So, you know, overall, it was a win, right? I think Watson has, uh, you know, he's well-respected and has been successful, as you said, righty and lefties and, you know, can can uh, basically be someone that they can turn to in tough situations who's gotten out some tough spots. So I'm all for it. And with that, I think we're done with the lightning round. Uh, and I think we should probably, as we're on the hour, wrap this up. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Bob has something to say. Follow us on Twitter. That's right. Follow us on Twitter, folks, and Instagram at, at Giant Cocktails. Uh, you can follow me at, at Sonoma Y Guy on Twitter. You can follow Ben on Twitter and Instagram at WatchBenFail. And, uh, you know, also don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so and uh, rate us and review us on on your podcast player of choice. It helps us a lot. And uh, with that, uh, I think we should wrap this up. Uh, Next week, we've got uh, we're going to play the Diamondbacks for four games who are on like their triple A team now because half their team tested positive for COVID. And, uh, you know, so they're worse than they already were. Um, Or maybe they're bringing up guys that will play better than the guys that went on. I don't know. So we'll see. Stay tuned for that. Then we're into Milwaukee and uh, against uh, the first place Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, so next week on Sunday, we'll be talking about it. 
And before we go, Ben, we need to roll the dice for next week's cocktail because Logan Webb got a win today. So... That's right. Logan Webb got a win. I'm going to go for, uh, what, 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 should we do a punch? Let's do a punch. All right, let's do a punch. We haven't done that yet. Yeah, all right. And for a and punch, punch, you won't necessarily have to kill yourself. That's with, right. Uh, salmonella. That, that's. <laughs> I'll find a way. Uh, all right. For a punch, I need a sugar, so I'm putting in my sugar, my sugar dye. Uh, I need uh, no, I don't need that. I need um, bitters. No, don't need that. No bitters dye. Do I need a citrus dye? I do. Uh, do I need a I yeah, my optional liqueur dye. Do I and uh, a spice dye? Nope. And so that means I'm also adding a uh, sorry, a no herb dye. I am adding a spice dye, and there's my spirit dye. Okay, here we go. All right, here it goes, folks. Next week's cocktail. All right, here we go. Here we go. I am supposed to make a rum cocktail. Okay, okay, with lemon. For punch, I like that. Lemon, simple syrup. This is all maraschino liqueur. Oh. And ginger. Interesting. Cherry ginger. I think that'll work. I think that'll work. I think I like this is, this is very nice. This is very nice. By the way, my, my little thing here says that I'm supposed to add four parts water or tea. Uh, and then I serve it in a highball or on a rocks glass with ice. So, uh, I think you should consider that tea option. That could I be do. It. Yeah. I, I think I might do that. I might do that. Uh, so there you go. Next week, the Logan Webb punch version one. All right. Well, looking forward to it. Well, um, uh, with that, uh, I think we should wrap this up. It was great talking to you and, uh, go giants, go Chris Bryant. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>